the southern surge in the pandemic, deaths and hospitalizations rising. We have seen widespread looting and destruction downtown. It will probably, unfortunately, get worse before it gets better. decade. Now, if you're new here or you uh, forgot what happened seven months ago, because that was actually seven years ago, right? January was seven years ago, it feels like. That was the series that I taught at the beginning of the year at the turn of a decade and how in the 20s, we were going to own the decade and we lost the first round, right? It is owning us. I am reminded by one of my favorite quotes from the great theologian, Mike Tyson. (laughs) Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. (laughs) Did you have some plans for 2020? Students, did you have a camp that you were signed up to go to? Did you have a mission trip that you were supposed to go to? Did you have a wedding that was planned? Did you have some baby showers that were planned? Did you have a job change? Were you planning on moving? Did you have some plans in 2020 and you kind of got punched in the mouth? That's just kind of what this year did to us. In the series, I taught about, I was thinking about, reflecting back at this, I taught on, on four things. I taught about friendships and building friendships and faith and growing our faith and finances. And this was a funny one. I, I preached about family and spending time with your family and putting others, yeah. And in fact, our, our key takeaway from that day was to put others ahead of yourself to, to do we over me in your families. I don't know about you, but we have seen enough of we. <laughs> and me needs some me time, right? I mean, we've spent so much time with our families, we're not even sure we like each other anymore. But we, I guess we do. In all seriousness, everything changed. Everything that was normal about life, about faith, and even about church. And some of you that are watching online right now that said, oh, I could never do online church, have done it for five straight months. And you never thought you'd be sitting in church with a mask on. And you never thought it would kind of be this way. In fact, I I remember I reflected back to March 15th. It was the first Sunday that we had online service and there was no one in the room. There were about 15 of us here to make sure that that church happened so that everybody could watch at home uh, digitally. But I thought, no sweat, it's no sweat. You know why? We'll be back by Easter. It was April, that was March 15th, Easter was April 16th, no problem, we'll be back by Easter. We weren't back by Easter, it's no sweat, no sweat. We'll be back by Memorial Day. And we were worshiping in person by Memorial Day, but the majority of our church was still worshiping online. We didn't have kids ministry open, but that's okay, we're gonna have kids ministry open, everything's gonna be back by July 4th. And then we hit the reality of like, okay, summer's a wash, no sweat, we'll be back 
by the start of school, everything will be normal by then. And now we just keep asking, will school start? And then, does Amazon sell designer masks? That's where we're at now. <laughs> How many of you are wondering, is your mask supposed to match your outfit? Has anybody got kind of those things? I'm starting to think about that because I'm, I'm kind of a fashion nerd that way. Everything changed. And we're not sure when it will get back to normal. In fact, we're not sure if it will ever get back to normal. And I've spent a lot of time in the last five months, is anybody else, just wanting things to get back to normal? Anybody else? I've had a few pity parties in those five months. Have you? I had a moment with God about mid-July where I came to God. It was just one of those days. It had been one of those weeks where I said, God, I need to whine today. Has anybody else had one of those moments with God in the last five months? God, I just need to whine today. I want things back the way they were. I want football and I want movie theaters and I want school to start and I want Chick-fil-A's dining room open and I want vacations and I want church to be full. I want to see kids running downstairs and I just want it just to be normal, God. And Lord, while you're at it, could you make racism end? Could you make us stop arguing about politics? Could you make us stop arguing? You can go about masks. I just want things to be normal. <laughs> In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> have, have you had those thoughts? Here's what I've come to realize that I'm not sure we realized how much we worship at the altar of normal. And that our, we're like, me and Jesus are okay as long as things are normal. As long as things are hunky-dory, then things are just going to be fine with me and Jesus. But when, when things get abnormal, then us and Jesus get a little off track. It, it, it becomes easy to question what we think about God. And we're all facing a reality right now that's difficult to swallow, that like 9-11 changed flying forever. Does anybody remember flying before 9-11? When you took flowers to your sweetheart as they arrived at the gate? Like 9-11 changed flying forever, this will change some things forever. Every flu season might be different. How many of you think that you will wash your hands more and differently for the rest of your life now? Right? This will change some things forever. Movie theaters will be different. How many of you want to sit in the middle seat on a flight now? Right? This will change travel forever. Things are just going to be different. It's changing education forever as schools now have digital teachers and digital principals. The interesting thing is that 2020 hasn't just been about COVID, that there have been so many other things. We will think about employment differently. We will think about what businesses have to stay open for us to function as a society. Are we or are we not essential? 
We will think about race and the conversation about race differently now. We will think about politics differently. We will think about our economy differently. Things may never be back to normal, but honestly, normal wasn't all that great anyway. Because let me can I remind you something about normal? Back in February, when things were normal, you remember that? Normal had cancer. Normal had divorce. Normal had senseless deaths. Normal had heartache and hurt and tragedies and tornadoes and hurricanes. Come on, normal wasn't that great anyway. What if, what if normal isn't enough? I mean, come on, is that what you want, to be normal again? If you are a Christ follower, if you're a Christian, the foundational belief and principle of the Christian faith is in the most abnormal thing that has ever happened, that Jesus physically and literally rose from the dead. Do you want normal in your life or do you want resurrection power in your life? I mean, come on, we don't want normal. We were faking it pretty good before COVID hit. But we figured out that normal isn't enough, that there's got to be more than normal. What if normal isn't enough? What if things get back to normal and all the questions that you're asking still aren't answered? So there was a Pharisee who was intrigued at what he saw in Jesus that was far from normal. Now, the interesting thing is Pharisees, uh, they were guys a lot like me. They were religious teachers. They were religious scholars. They were the rabbis. They were the priests. So when I look in the scriptures and I see the Pharisees, I kind of see myself because they have a job much like mine. And most of them get a pretty bad rap in the New Testament because most of them were opposed to Jesus. They had religious power, and Jesus came, and, well, he was a threat to that power because people were listening to what Jesus says more than them. But there was one rabbi who, who maybe had a, a group of Pharisees that were kind of secretly admiring Jesus. And there was one in particular named Nicodemus who was curious in fact, he was so curious about what he had seen in Jesus that he got up in the middle of the night so no one would know, so none of his other Pharisee buddies would know, so maybe even none of Jesus' followers would know. And he comes and he sneaks into the middle of the night into a conversation with Jesus. And the first thing he says, he says, listen, Jesus, we, he uses the term we. So there's a, there's a few Pharisees who are thinking this way. We, we see that you are from God. We don't understand everything you're saying, but we can't deny that God is with you and that you have come from God based on the evidence of the miracles that we've seen you do. Jesus, water's not supposed to turn to wine. We've seen the blind see. We've seen the lame walk. Something's up. Explain this to me. And in John chapter 3, which is the fourth gospel in the New Testament. If you're looking along, if you're home and you got your Bibles there and you're reading along there, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the fourth gospel. John was an eyewitness account to Jesus' life, so you can just imagine Jesus relaying this story to John about the time Nicodemus came to him in the middle of the night. And this is how Jesus responded to him in verse 3. 
Jesus replied, truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Oh, wait, what? <laughs> what do you mean? What does that mean? That doesn't even make sense to what Jesus is saying. Nicodemus responds in the exact same way if someone said something so kind of out there like being born again. Jesus uh, says this and Nicodemus responds, how, how can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asks. Surely, surely, Jesus, I'm not sure if you know exactly how this works, but surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born. Jesus, you can't start over. You don't get a do-over in life. You can't undo all the mistakes you made and all the ways you went wrong. Jesus, come on, this is not possible. But we'd like to get a redo, wouldn't we? What would you do differently if you could go to January 1, 2020? I'd go to lots of movies in January and February, right? Concerts, <laughs> might wear a mask at those concerts, but I'd go. We'd all like a redo. We'd all like a do-over for 2020, and maybe we could have made things not quite as bad as they were. Maybe we would have you know, done this differently with our family or with our finances or with our job. There's, or, or just personally, we would have prepared somehow. We would have gone to visit a friend that we can't go visit now. We'd all love a do-over, but you don't get do-overs in life. You, you, you can't just undo the past. You can't just undo 2020. Wouldn't it be great if you could? Some of you have got some things in your life you'd probably like to undo that stretch way back beyond 2020. Wouldn't it be great if you could? Jesus responds. He says, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Are you tracking with me, Nicodemus? Are you tracking? I don't, I don't know. Jesus says, let me explain it this way. Flesh gives birth to flesh. That's the natural way that you were born. You're not going to re-enter your mother's womb. We all has a, have a physical birth, a flesh birth. But you're missing the point here, Nicodemus. But the spirit gives birth to the spirit. I'm talking about something that can't be scientifically explained. I'm talking something that isn't physical, but supernatural. And then he says something that's really interesting that you and I might not even understand like what Jesus means when he says this. He says, you should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. And the reason that Jesus says that you shouldn't be surprised at my saying this is because the term born again is a phrase that Jewish rabbis use to, as a metaphor to explain the different stages that they would go in life. Every Jewish rabbi understand this language. If you were at your bar mitzvah, you were born again. At your marriage, a Jewish rabbi was born again. At their ordination of a rabbi, a Jewish rabbi was born again. 
There were six ways that a Jewish rabbi could be born again. It was just a metaphor to talk about the milestones that a rabbi would pass through in life. So Jesus says, this language shouldn't be foreign to you, but I'm not talking about milestones. I'm talking about not just a born againness here on earth. I'm talking about being born from above, something that isn't just a stage you attain to. You get that language, Nicodemus. You should understand, understand that. I'm talking about something that happens in you. And Jesus goes further and he explains it like this. Maybe this will make sense, Nicodemus. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Here's what he's saying. You can't see the Spirit, but you can see its impact. A couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, Sunday afternoon, we, uh, my family went uh, hiking over at uh, Moss, uh, Moss Rock Preserve. Cool place. If you're, not, if you're watching and you're not from the Birmingham area, it's just a little hiking trail that's got some cool rock formations. Kids can climb up on the rocks. If you've never gone there, great place to go. And so we go, it was cool, just a little, a little hike, and we get in the middle of the hike, kind of in the middle of the woods, and this huge storm comes up. I mean, and I don't get scared too much, and my boys are pretty tough, but like if you're, if you're a parent, like you could see like the fear in their eyes, and I was trying for them to not see the fear in mine, right? of this idea of like we could be stuck out here. We weren't exactly sure where we were at on the trail and how to get back to the parking lot. And I mean, the trees were going like this and the thunder sounded like it was like in my back pocket and the lightning was coming and it was, it was pretty scary. We barely made it back to the car before the bottom fell out and it started pouring. And we head home and man, debris was everywhere. Trees were down. There was a tree across Highway 31. There were limbs all over the place. And I want to just tell you something. And that really, it was one of those 30-minute storms that just blew through. I never saw the wind, but I sure did see its impact. I sure did see what it had done. And what Jesus is saying is this, what you can see in someone's life is evidence of what you can't see in someone's spirit. And when there is a born againness in someone, that there is evidence in someone's life that there is something that we can't see, that the proof of the Spirit changing our hearts, the Spirit changing our souls is, is displayed by the outward evidence of who we are and what we do and how we act and how we behave. You look different, you feel different, you act different. You're not normal. Now I think, I have a theory, that some of you here, and maybe some of you are new to faith and new to Jesus, but you've kind of kept Jesus at arm's, arm's length or you've kind of steered clear of church 
or maybe you're watching at home because a friend told you you're curious, but you have, you're not sure about Christians. I believe that so many of the world, and maybe you're one of them, is unsure about Christians because you know someone who is a Christian who says they are born again, but you can't tell by any evidence that the Spirit has actually been there. You can't tell by the way they deal with disappointment. You can't tell by the way that they handle conflict and you've had a conflict with them and it sure didn't look different. You can't tell by the way they treat other people and the way that they treat their neighbors. You can't tell when someone wrongs them. You can't tell when they log on social media. You look at their lives and the lives of someone else side by side and they look exactly the same. You know how they look? Normal just like the rest of the world. I have a question for you. If you call yourself a Christian, besides Sunday morning, if someone looked at your life, could they tell that the Spirit has swept through? Like if someone looked at your life from noon Sunday to 8 a.m. the next Sunday, would they be able to tell that you follow Jesus? Would they, would they be able to tell by the way you treat people? Would they be able to log on your Facebook or Twitter profile and tell that you follow Jesus? Would they see the way that you have responded to this stress and tension and anxiety and all that's going on in the world? And would they be able to tell that something is different about you? Would they say, they look normal, they look just like the rest of the world? Or would they say, no, something's reborn in them. <laughs> it's different. You can kind of see Nicodemus's head spinning, right? <laughs> Okay, I want that. How do I get that? I mean, everything in Nicodemus' life and everything that he had ever known about religion and faith had, been to do with, had to do with strict adherence to the Jewish laws and rules. So that's what Nicodemus was. He was a doer. So he's thinking, what do I need to do? What do I need to do better, Jesus? What do I need to do more of? What hoop do I need to jump through? How do I make this happen? How is this even possible, Jesus? And maybe you're sitting there thinking that same thing, like, I want that in my life. Like, what do you want me to do? Or maybe you're sitting there at home and you're thinking, I want that in my life. What do I do? And it's almost like Jesus, it's like Nicodemus says, Nick, Nick, listen. It's not possible through anything that you do it's only possible by the most powerful force in the cosmos, God's love. You want to be born again, Nicodemus? Simple. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes. What else do I need to do, Jesus? Do I need to do, can I, oh, no, no, Nick, Nick. Whoever believes. Like, so do they have to be Jewish? Like, do I bring them in? No, no, no. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, 
but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Nicodemus, you change what's in here by simply believing. I know that that sounds so simplistic in in a world right now that's kind of gone mad. And, And maybe it sounds like, can that really make a difference? But here's why I think that's really important. Because I think that a lot of people are struggling right now because they have believed the wrong things. And I think that if you're struggling right now, that it's possible that you believed the wrong things. Because somewhere along the way, we came to believe that if we put our faith and our trust in Jesus, that everything would be unicorns and lollipops and butterflies and you'd be blessed and highly favored. And you haven't felt blessed and highly favored since January 1, 2020. Since the clock turned to 2020. In fact, a lot of people right now have wondered if God is mad at us or if God gave the world this virus or if this year is God's judgment on the world. And you see, that is the age-old lie that the enemy wants you to believe. What the devil wants you to believe more than anything else is that God is against you, that God is mad at you, that God is out to get you, that God is scheming to hurt you, and that God doesn't love you. In fact, that God condemns you. That is, the, in 2020, has given you ample evidence to believe that lie. And here's the danger, here's the danger. When things inevitably get better, and they will get better. You'll then believe that you and God are okay now. (laughs) And you can go back to the way it was before, and you can come to church on Sunday for an hour or two, or you can watch for an hour or two, and everything with God is is A-okay because things are normal again. Is that what it looks like to have faith in Jesus? Is that what you want out of God? Do you think that's what God wants for you? This wishy-washy, up-and-down faith where you and God are like this when everything is normal, but when the water gets choppy, you and God are out here because you believed wrongly that if you believed in God, that everything would always be normal and always be smooth. And what Jesus is telling Nicodemus is, listen, you don't need to be normal again. We need to be born again. We don't need to be normal again. Normal stinks anyway. We need to be born again. The altar at which we worship has never been an altar where things are just normal. The altar at which we worship is an altar that is represented by a body that is broken for us and blood that is shed for us and a Savior who was crucified, buried, and died for us and resurrected to give power to us, to give our forgiveness of sin in us so that he could spend eternity with us. That's the promise. Not that your school, your business, your finances would be normal. It's so much better than normal. 
is so much better than normal. What if we just clung to the root of our faith, to the truth of our faith? We need to have our spirits transformed by this simple but radical belief. Here it is. God loves me and sent his son for me and didn't come to condemn me but to save me, to spend eternity with me and to save me from eternity without him. We don't need to be normal again. The world needs to see some people who are born again. What would it look like for that to be the, the core of your faith? What if we could be a people? What if you could be a person who could stand on that kind of faith? What we need now more than ever is to stand in a more grounded version of our faith that is rooted in the truth of the gospel, that can stand right in the middle of a crumbling world that is on fire with a global pandemic and civil unrest and hurt and heartache and political posturing and all the mess this world has and says, even if this this world kills me and it'll get us all one day. I shall not perish because I believe. What if that could be the root and the groundedness of your faith? What if you could stand in this because we finally believe the most powerful verse maybe in all of scripture that I memorized as a kid for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. When it feels like you are surrounded by enemies, surrounded on every side, what would it mean for you to actually believe that you're surrounded by God's love. That you are not condemned, you are loved. What if this belief, God's radical love, was what you used as a weapon to fight frustration, to fight fear, to fight isolation, to fight heartache, to fight temptation, to fight your past, to fight stress, to fight every battle that 2020 could even dream of throwing with you? I want you to stand, even if you're at home, if you feel comfortable, would you stand? And if you're in this room, would you stand? We're gonna sing a song that's new to us here at Mountaintop. And I don't want it to just be a song that we sing. I want it to be a prayer that we pray and I want it to be our battle cry. To say that when it feels like I'm surrounded, I'm going to remember that I'm surrounded by a God that loves me and I will walk out into the life and I will fight the battles with this reality that I am loved with the love of God in Jesus Christ and nothing in all creation can separate me from that love. That is what the world needs to see from a people called God's own to restart 2020 and fight like we've never fought before.
because you are loved. <laughs>